Well, the, the the other way you could take that whole episode was it all started because you're stubborn. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Hello there, and welcome once again to the Remarkable Places podcast. This is episode 14. I'm your host, Dee Batiste. Today's guest is Wayne James. Tell me about the most remarkable place you've been. Yeah, so most remarkable place. Um, been lucky enough to be to have traveled to a few places, and I guess the first thing I'd say is, as most will attest to, we live on an amazingly beautiful planet with so many different things to offer. So it's really difficult to sort of zoom into one place and say one place is, you know, more or less. But I think in context for me, um, the most beautiful place that, a remarkable place that I've been to um uh was Ghana or has been Ghana and uh that is um well I, can, I guess I can tell you why if that's important but um it's more about the unique sort of experience interacting with people uh who come from quite a different background and perspective on life that made it remarkable for me and the timing in life um but there is a quite distinct and old school culture that still shows off so much of the uh, sort of human connectivity and sort of innocent, genuine uh, sort of intentions there that, that really caught me by surprise when I first went and uh, continue to surprise me with my subsequent visits. So as a starting place, I will say Ghana. So they gave you a nice, as you say, old school vibe to the, the, the people there, the, the, the culture, the, the physical form of the place. What, what, what of it gave you this vibe of old school? So um, certainly the physical form, which is not that much different from, you know, other sort of tropical places, you know, quite warm, um, you know, nature and and wildlife that you might not see in city places but i think that the key thing was just the people and so if i you know just for a couple of examples you know i visited uh, a school um in uh, while i was there and was getting a tour and as i walked into a classroom of about 50 students in one class in sort of a cinder block building that you know by our standards would be not finished the second I put my foot on the ground, 50 students stood up out of their chairs and just beamed these amazing smiles at me. Um, and I, I hadn't had that kind of experience uh, previously where, you know, there wasn't anyone instructing them to do that. They just, that's kind of their culture to um, address strangers and adults in a quite polite way. It was a really sort of beautiful moment. Um, and so things like that. Um, I do some work there volunteering with a school uh, that that was built. And um, some of the students are traveling long distances to come to school, sometimes 30 miles. And so in our planning meetings, it was said, well, they, you know, I would say, well, they have to find someone local in the village to stay with. 
And when I inquired about that um, and how we would help them do that, um, you know, our school founder said, oh, that's not a problem here. Any child from any village can go to any other village and just stay with a strange family. And that family will treat them like they're part of the family. And that's, that child knows how to behave as part of anyone else's family. They, they don't have sort of this, who is this strange child or strange family. Um, it's all very community uh, oriented like that. And that was impressive to me and, and difficult almost to get my head wrapped around. Uh, so certainly in the Western world, we'd, have concerns as to who these people were and did they have background and security checks and was the child going to be safe and in this setting that just wasn't a thought and so a number of experiences like that that just really made me feel like i was in a quite special place um a place that you know i want to be in So we we built a secondary school in an area where there's not there wasn't sufficient schooling, and some eighty percent of young people stopped going to school um, after junior uh, um, school, um, which is about fifteen years old. So there was a real need for additional secondary school uh, capacity in the area. And on my first visit, um, the house that we were staying in was about a a good 10-minute drive into the sort of the depth of a village away from the main street. Um, and, uh, yeah, not something you want to walk if you didn't know your way around. Uh, and, of course, as you well know, I'm as stubborn as they come. So when I was advised that I shouldn't try to walk out to the main road because I get lost, I just waited for everybody to go to bed and then went on, on my walk. Um about half an hour out, no lighting now, so it's pitch black, and you're having to sort of navigate your way by sense. Um, about half an hour into my walk, I'm realizing I'm recognizing bushes that I've seen before um, and have no idea where I'm going. So I start looking around for people to get directions from. And the second person that I asked, and I asked him, you know, how do I get to the main road? It was a young man, and he sort of looked around and started to point in the direction. And Ken kind of said, well, it's over there, but I better take you. And I was kind of like, well, that'd be great. I um, don't want to put you out of your way. It was probably 10 p.m. at night. And this person was you know, about 10 minutes from their home. Anyway, they walked out to the main street with me. It took us about probably 30 minutes to get out. <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a good 30-minute uh, walk just to get out of this maze that was in the village. And then he stayed with me uh, and took me to a local shop. And we got back to sort of the, not our starting point, but the outskirts of the village maybe an hour and a half later. And um, I was really thankful that he, you know, offered to uh, accompany me. Along the way, I'd offered to buy him uh something to drink or and he refused and said no thanks at every at every stop and so i i didn't feel like it was you know he, there was no indication that he wanted something from me he just wanted to make sure i got where i was going and while we spoke um it came up that um he was attending the school that was near the the, the border of that village a few years back but then his mom ran out of money so he never really finished high school he got his first year 
and had spent the last sort of four years just kind of, you know, hanging out with his friends and trying to find little odd jobs, but not really doing much, but really wanted to go to school. And, and so, um, I said, well, you know, one of the reasons that I'm here is because we have a school that's about 30 minutes south from here, uh, in a place called down Dampong, a village that's uh, just south of Kanongo. And, um, so I said to him, look, if you're serious, you're serious about this and you want to go to school, you know, I can see if I can help make this work. So I gave him my phone number and, uh, the next three days I got very pleasant good morning messages starting about 630 <laughs> indicating that he was definitely interested in school and it was so nice to meet me uh so the friday i think the end of that week we were having a we were heading to the school for some activities and we i said well why don't you come along and uh, you can see what life is like at the school and see if you're, you're interested we need a commitment from you and your mom in order to make sure that you're serious about it and so uh yeah 7 30 that morning he tells me he's waiting for me at the end of the street. We pass by in our cab and pick him up and head down to the school. And he spent the entire day with us um, at the school, uh, talking to students, helping us clean, really just engaged and really interested in being part of something. Um, and that was two years ago. Um, I ended up sponsoring him, and I'm still sponsoring for his education. Uh, he's one of the top students. Uh, in the school, I, I challenged him uh, to be a leader because he was older than some of the other young people, and he's really embraced that. And that's and now he's you know he's I consider him like you know my, like my son. Uh, I chat on a regular basis, and all that happened because I needed direction uh, from a stranger in the middle of the night, and he walked with me for two hours. Um, so you know there are probably a number of stories like this that I could share, but just to kind of paint the picture of the experience and why I find the place such a remarkable place, less because of the physical attributes, but more so because of the people, human experience that I've had there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, the, the, the other way you could take that whole episode was it all started because you're stubborn. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, stubbornness and uh, an unwillingness to conform is, uh, I suppose, uh, a familiar trend. While I sit here quarantined, uh, not quarantined, but self-isolating uh, in my room. Um, yeah, I guess however you need to do it, I'd say go, go look for your remarkable place. <laughs> right. Okay, well, that's beautiful. That's good. I'm going to say thank you so much for doing this interview with me and sharing your stories of Ghana with us. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for uh, collecting data on all the interesting experiences people are having worldwide. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's phenomenal. Okay, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Remarkable Places podcast. If you enjoy what we're doing, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people find us and gives us encouragement to continue. Visit our website at www.remarkableplacespodcast.com. There you can view our show notes, details, and background about our guests and their remarkable places. On the site... 
you can hit the leave a message button to record an audio message for us. So go ahead and ask us questions or tell us about your own remarkable places. Thanks for listening. And until next time, take care.